the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, and also Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. Uh, our communion sermon uh, this morning is called Pray, Trusting. And some of you uh, may be asking, uh, why another sermon on prayer? Well, personally, I think we can't preach on prayer uh, enough. I, I think we... We need that, especially in the day and age that we uh, live in, okay? And also, there's, some of you might be thinking, oh, what's up with the title of the sermon? Pray trusting. Uh, isn't it a given that when you and I pray, it's assumed that we're praying because we're trusting? Not necessarily. I know from my own life, there have been times when my prayers have been so mechanical, so dry, so dead, so lifeless, that sometimes I think I'm just praying out of tradition, out of just, you know, impulse. There's got to be more to prayer than just that activity that we do in order to communicate with God or to somehow have that sense of spirituality that we all uh, feel compelled to have as we engage God on a daily basis. It's been said that, that praying is the oxygen of the soul. And I think that's very true. I think for a Christian, praying is as natural as breathing. You know, if you're, if you're a Christian, you pray. As if, in the same way as you breathe day in and day out. But just like physical breathing, you need to be aware of the atmosphere. We need to be aware of the air that we breathe. Sometimes that air can be contaminated. We're wearing masks because of the virus that's been going around. Uh, there can be toxic chemicals in the atmosphere that will make your breathing and mind susceptible uh, uh, the issues and problems. Well, the same thing is true if we say that praying is the oxygen of the soul. We need to understand the atmosphere that we engage in when it comes to praying. Sometimes praying, like breathing, can be challenged by the virus of fear. Sometimes our prayer can be, uh, you know, can be affected by the toxicity of doubt the stench of ignorance. So when we pray, we need to be able to pray with courage, pray with confidence, and especially pray with trust. Praying trustingly. It is possible to pray without trusting God, but it is impossible to trust God without praying. And so that's basically what we're going to talk about 
this morning. May I just remind everybody that the reason why we can pray trustingly is because we have a risen Savior. The cross is empty. The grave is empty. The stones have been rolled away. And we have a Savior who sits in glory, ruling and reigning with all power and all majesty. And I want you to know, we can pray trustingly because there's power in the prayers of God's people. Prayer is only as powerful as the level of trust we have in the object of our praying. So it's very important that we are trusting in Jesus when we pray. And you might ask, is it really possible to do that? The answer is yes. And you'll be surprised how many of us, including myself, uh, oftentimes pray unknowingly, not trusting God properly. So we're going to learn this morning how to know that we are praying with trust. Perhaps this morning uh, you've been praying and you've been asking God for something and, see, and things seems to be not working the way you expected. Maybe God is saying something different to you and you've been trying to pray, but you, you feel like God is absent. Perhaps the problem is not in the praying. Perhaps the problem is in the trusting. So I want you to uh, turn your Bibles to our text this morning. There's two of them and, and we're going to connect them together. The first one is in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. It's a very, very short verse, and I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, have heard this verse recited already. You probably even know this verse by heart. It's such a short statement from Peter, but it carries a lot of theological weight. And when it comes to praying, this is probably the quintessential statement on what it means to pray trustingly. Peter writes, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Those were the words of St. Peter, the great apostle, uh, the one uh, whom Jesus designated to, you know, establish the church in whose, in whose confession the church was established. And we know that these words are from Peter because of the way he used the word cast. What do we know about Peter? Peter was a fisherman by trade. He was a fisherman. Okay, when he found Jesus, uh, Jesus found him rather, uh, Jesus found him and his brother fishing, okay, in the Sea of Galilee. So we know that when Peter wrote this, he was describing something that he's very familiar with. When he says, cast your cares, cast Cast all your anxieties. He's, he's using a fisherman's term as if he's saying, you know, I was a fisherman. In order for me to catch a fish or to fish, I need to get my, my net and I'm going to cast that net onto the water in the hope that, that I can have a fish to catch. And that's the terminology that he used, okay? When it comes to prayer, in Peter's mind, it's just like fishing. You need to cast your cares, cast your anxieties on the Lord. And, and uh, Peter wrote this toward the end of his life, okay? 
This was written by Peter just shortly before he was to be crucified for his uh, allegiance and loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ, before he was crucified in Rome, before he left this world, before he gave his life for the gospel, he said to his readers, cast all your anxieties on him for he cares for you. To understand the context of this verse, we need to go back 30 years at the time when Jesus first met Peter. And the first time Peter met Jesus, this is our text in Luke, ch Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. So I'm going to read this. You can follow along. If you're taking notes, it's on your bulletin. Luke 5, 1 to 10. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little far from the shore. Then he, then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knee. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. In these verses, we discover what Peter meant when he encouraged us to cast our cares on the Lord, to trust in God by casting our cares. There are, very, there are three very distinct signs that we are praying trustingly based on this story. Three insights that I want to lay in your heart that will kind of give us a hint, give us a, a clue, give us a sign that we are praying with trust. Okay, number one, it's only three this morning. The first sign that we are praying with trust is that we know how to express our helplessness. Learning how to express our helplessness. That's where it begins. That's when we know that we're praying trustingly, okay? Peter says, cast all your anxiety. You know, when we trust God, we won't hesitate to lay it out there for the Lord. That's the very first sign that we're willing to really put all of our trust in God by casting all. Not part of our problems, not just the problems we can't solve. You know, I know a lot of Christians, you know, they say things like, well, you know what, I don't want to bother God with this particular problem because I can handle it. Okay? I'll reserve 
my prayers to God on the big things. When the doctor says, I have six months to live because I've been diagnosed with cancer. Those are the big things that I need to bring before the Lord. You know what? That is not a good thing to do. Because God, there's no, to God, there's nothing big and there's nothing small. What God is looking for is not the level of our anxiety, not the level of our needs. He's looking for trust. Do we trust Him for everything? Peter says, cast your cares upon Him. All of your anxieties. And look at verse 4 in the Luke uh, account. When Jesus has finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. He must be very, very upset at Jesus saying to him, put the net on the other side. Go a little bit deeper. He must be thinking in his head, Jesus, listen. I'm a professional fisherman. I fish, you know, for a living. You're a carpenter. You probably build, ca build cabinets and houses. So take care of your business. Let me take care of mine, <laughs> okay? Nothing more upsetting to Peter than being told how to fish when he was a professional fisherman. Uh, but he acknowledged. Peter acknowledged that there's nothing he can do with the situation. So what did he do? Jesus, he said to Jesus, because you said so, I'm going to do what you say. See, that's what it means to trust in God. We got to come to a place in our lives where we, we can actually say, I'm helpless without you, Lord. I'm, I'm helpless. I'm powerless. There's nothing I can do unless you are with me. And Jesus said this to his disciples over and over again. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, growing up, I hear people around me, people, Christian people, uh, say this phrase all the time. They say this all the time. And I grew up listening, you know, even I, I grew up in church, so I hear, you know, when people are saying things, you know, the adults were saying things as, as I was growing up. They always use the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. And you know what? You, know, you, you, you say something like that, it sounds good. It sounds like, you know, something that, you know, it's an honorable thing, right? You know, to say that God will help those who help themselves. But it isn't true. It's not in the Bible. God never says, I will help those who help themselves. God says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Whether you believe it or not, you need me. That's what God said. And it's a big stumbling block for a lot of people. They, you know, a lot of people really feel that you know, if they only help themselves, that somehow God will help them. Now, I need to be careful when I say this. That God does give us wisdom. You know, the Bible says if you need wisdom, ask of God and He gives it liberally. But we still need to ask God. You know, God did not create us to be helpless. He, gives a, he gave us gifts. He gave us, he gave us talents, abilities. But in our relationship with Him, our attitude should be an attitude of complete dependence on God. Because pride sets in and says, you know, God will help me because I know how to help myself. 
Jesus wouldn't have come and died on the cross if that was possible for us. Okay? You got you to gotta look at the, the big central point of the gospel. And that is humanity has no way, no way of attaining salvation apart from what Jesus has done on the cross. And pride sets in and says, you know what, I, if I just do these things for me, if I just know how to help God on certain things, then somehow God might give me his favor. I don't think so. I don't think that's the witness of the gospel. I think we need to come to a place in our lives when we can honestly say to God, I may have all the riches and all the blessings, but apart from you, I'll amount to nothing. I think that's the attitude that God wants to see in each and every person uh, in terms of our own you know, relationship with Him as our loving Heavenly Father. A lot of people ignore the fact that they need God. I was reading uh, some time ago uh, about um, Madeline Murray O'Hare. She's the famous atheist, the founder of the organization called the American Atheists, whose ultimate goal is to remove the Bible and prayer in public school. She successfully sued to have religion removed from public schools. And in 1963, when this happened, she was famous for saying, Religion, specifically Christianity, is a crutch. And only the mentally crippled needs a crutch. And that's how some people think about Christians. That our religion is a crutch. And you've heard that term before. You've been accused of that before. Because when a preacher preaches about you need to recognize you're helpless, that's a very negative thing to say, especially in a country and in a culture that thrives on individual success, individualism. It's contradictory to the Christian message. When people start saying, you know, we are a society of, you know, can-do people. Of course we do. We have talents. We have all of these things. But when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to our prayer life, it begins with acknowledging our helplessness. We need to learn how to express that before God. I mean, I mean, O'Hare's assessment of Christianity as a crush is echoed by so many other people, so many prominent people. In fact, one famous uh, governor of a state said this, Prayer or religion in general is for weak-minded people, for people who cannot grasp reality. So they use prayer as a means to just strengthen their weak-mindedness. They use their religion as a means to justify their false sense of empowerment. This is how a lot of people think of our faith of our Christian belief. That's how a lot of people think of prayer. Especially the Christian prayer. Well, let me give you two examples of this so-called crippled-minded people, this so-called weak-minded people that O'Hare and so many people are accusing Christians of. Let me give you these two examples, okay? Abraham Lincoln. We all know Abraham Lincoln had to be president in a country divided by slavery. And whether you like Lincoln or not, Lincoln successfully ended slavery as an institution in this country. Okay? 
to Madeleine O'Hare and all these other atheists, Abraham Lincoln will qualify as a weak-minded, crippled, emotionally crippled person. Here's another name, Martin Luther King, founder of the modern civil rights movement, whose peaceful demonstration proved what love can do to a fellow person if we can get past this issue of color and race and ethnic origin. To people, someone like Martin Luther King will be classified as a weak-minded simpleton. But what's common with Martin Luther King and Abraham Lincoln? They both men of prayer. They prayed to God. They trusted God. They recognized the magnitude of their responsibility and had no choice but to depend on the most powerful weapon God made available to them, a crutch called prayer. Loved ones, expressing our helplessness to God in prayer is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of trust. It's a sign of faith. Sooner or later, every person at some point in our life will be crippled by circumstances, trials, and troubles emotionally, physically, spiritually, and at some point, we will need to pray. And maybe you're here this morning and you are in that place in your life where you have exhausted every option available to you. Let me say to you, humbly express your helplessness before God. You don't have to always be pumped up you don't have to always say, okay, if I just think positively, this thing will happen. You don't have to exhaust all of your resources every time. At some point, we need to get on our knees and express to God, if you don't help me, I'm helpless. It's hard to accept. It's really hard to accept for a lot of people because we still have that idea that there are things that we can handle on our own. Jesus knows we're helpless. Peter understood it when he says, cast all your cares upon him. Now there's a second sign that you and I are praying with trust. And that is not only do we express our helplessness, we also need to learn how to exchange our hope. Exchange our hope. Peter says, cast all your cares, all your anxieties, all your trials, all your problems. Cast it on Jesus because he cares for you. What's going on in that statement? Very simply, he's doing a transfer of hope. Okay? To understand this expression on him, we go back to our text. Jesus says, go into deeper waters and let down your nets. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And here's the pivotal statement on Peter's part. He says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. What was he doing? He looked at his situation. He's been fishing all night. He's been laboring all night. He tried everything. He's a professional fisherman, but he couldn't find any fish. And he heard Jesus says, go into the deeper water and put your nets over there. And 
at first Peter was hesitant, you know. He was, he was kind of rejecting that idea. And then he says, but because you say so, I will do what you say. And let me tell you something. We got to come to that point not only uh, to a place where we can recognize and express our own helplessness, but we need to hear the word of Christ. We need to hear what God is saying and put our hope in the Lord. You know, we sing a song here that Ben leads us into singing sometimes. Um, why so downcast? It's actually in the Psalms. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God and bless the Lord all your soul. I mean, there's got to be a transfer of hope. We can't be looking at everywhere, you know, first before looking into God. You know, I heard a preacher once says, when all else fail, look to God. I think that's backwards, <laughs> okay? I mean, it sounds good at first. You say, you know, when all else fails, go to God. It's backwards. No, before anything fails, look to God. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.